What's up, guys? Coach Smith here with the Strength Talk and Shot podcast. My guest today is assistant strength and conditioning coach of South Alabama, Nick Coleman. He works with the women's basketball and track. In the episode, we discuss a little bit of his um, you know, science background, how he got into strength and conditioning, how he uses that sports science and data collection, and then also with his individual programs with his, with his athletes. That's a great episode, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, Coach Coleman coming on here and kind of giving the insight of his program, his philosophy, and what they're doing at South Alabama. If you guys could please uh, subscribe, rate, and uh, listen to the episodes here on the Strength Talking Shop podcast. We are on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, um, Google. So whatever you use for your podcast platform, give it a listen, give it a like, give it a follow. Appreciate you guys and stay strong. All right, what's up, guys? I've got assistant strength conditioning coach Nick Coleman here. He's the assistant strength conditioning coach at South Alabama, where he works with the women's basketball and track and field. How are we doing today, Coach? I'm doing well, Coach. Thanks for, for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, that's no problem at all. I've you know I've kind of followed you a little bit here on social media, and you know you were gracious enough to spend a little bit of your uh, your time with me today, and I really appreciate that too as well. Um, just to kind of dive in real quick, who are some of the the people that influenced you, um, not only just to be a coach, but in strength and conditioning and, and stuff like that. Um, so, who are those some of those people? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think you know, like most people, especially ones who kind of bounce around a lot of different places. I mean, we could talk forever about everyone you know we've crossed paths with and, and all sorts of influences. So, definitely, you know, I could talk about a lot of people, but I mean, just to to kind of hit home on a couple and, and ones who been really formative in my development as you know a person and a coach as well uh, I think it for me it has to start with my mom and I think that sounds kind of cheesy <laughs> but uh so my mom's a she's actually a physical therapist and she's also like a myofascial release therapist as well and so early on growing up you know I she exposed me to like a deep appreciation for you know human movement and, and how complex it really is you know, just on a fundamental level. And and granted, this was before I ever knew I wanted to be a coach. So that was instilled in me early on. And I think it, you know, it, it tapped into something that I would later, you know, find a, a much bigger interest in, obviously, in, in, in coaching and, and strength and conditioning. But I think it would start with her. So she's obviously been a big influence, you know, on me, um, not just pre- professionally, but, you know, obviously as a mom too. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I've kind of bounced around a couple of different places um, with internships and, you know, in, in different places. The the first place I, I got my foot in the door was at, uh, at Longwood University, which is a, you know, mid-major Division One school in, in uh, central Virginia. And my mentor there, uh, his name is John Hark. He, he's no longer coaching in the profession, but he was one of these guys who gave me my first chance when I really struggled to get my foot in the door, you know, just trying to find any and all sorts of volunteer internships and was getting turned down left and right, you know, and, and the, the future kind of looked ominous at that time. But he's the one who took a chance on me, and and he's been a, a huge influence on me, not just as a coach, but, but more importantly as a, as a person. And 
you know, the older brother that I never had. You know, he's one of these guys that has so much wisdom and life experience that, you know, he imparted on me. And, and even on a spiritual side, like he turned me on to, um, you know, one of my favorite authors, John Eldridge and, and the Wild at Heart book series. Um, so he was, he was big in my life, you know, in, in that aspect. But um, let's see. So then I did a, uh, I did a quick little summer internship at Campbell University down in North Carolina. And again, the guys there, the coaches there were great. Um, but Alex Carnell, one of the coaches there at the time, he's actually now working at uh, the University of Memphis. He's an applied sports scientist in the, the Human Performance Center. So a lot of the, the sports science initiatives that I'm interested in now, he kind of planted that, that initial seed within me. So he's been a, a big influence on me from like a sports science standpoint and, and finding a and really appreciating a fascination for um, for data and, and research and, and really the research process. He's probably, you know, one of the smartest, one of the smartest guys I've ever met, you know, but it's also, you know, probably one of the more humble guys I've met too. So he's, he's been a big influence on me. Um, and then I spent a year as a, um, as like a part-time assistant at, at University of Tennessee in, in Knoxville. And, uh, Greg Adamson, who's one of the assistant strength coaches there, he's um, one of my closest friends now. He uh, he was huge in in my development again as, as a coach and and as a person. Um, you know, among a lot of different things, he you know he really showed me how to connect with athletes, and he was big on you know being a relationship oriented coach and and meeting athletes where they are. Um, and he has. You know, just to talk about him for a, a quick minute, he, you know, has this, uh, you know, five, I guess we could call pillars or a philosophy where it's what he calls like five ships, right? And they're um, relationships. I think I'm getting this right. Relationships, ownership, um, hardship, leadership, and then obviously last is championships, right? But not without the other ones, Um so that's just kind of a snapshot of, of who he is and, and how influential he is as a coach. Um, but I'd say those four people, you know, specifically, um, I'm leaving a lot out and who deserve a lot of credit, but they've been real formative in my development, you know, not just, again, as a coach, but but as a person and a man and a leader. That's awesome. Uh, that, it's always great to have those people that you can call and, you know, just talk about life and then, you know, training too as well. You know, you just kind of need those people. Um, you know, as us as coaches, we need those people all the time. Um, you, you talked a little bit about the uh, the the applied health and stuff like that, and then a little bit with the sports science stuff. How have you kind of taken a little bit of that that data approach and that research approach to you? You know, now at South Alabama. Yeah, that's a good question, and, that, and for me, you know, and that's a quickly growing profession in its own right, and. I'm not trying to step out of bounds and call, you know, call myself like a sports scientist because people, you know, devote their entire careers to that. Um, I kind of like to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a strength and conditioning coach or a performance coach, but, you know, with a, a hobby, I guess, for, you know, for sports science and data analytics. And it's kind of a, you know, a passion of mine and it's something I, I do a lot of research in and just kind of on my, my own time. Um, it's, you know, it's just another one of those things that, that I'm interested in, but yeah, you know, again, it, you know, it started at again a lot of the exposure I had at a couple different schools. My buddy Alex was was big into that when we were at Campbell together. Um, when I was at Tennessee, I worked with uh, pretty closely with the women's soccer program, and 
I was exposed to a lot of GPS technology. They had, you know, the catapult system there. And, um, you know, so I was responsible for doing a lot of that, learning the, the ins and outs and, and ropes of, you know, a, a technology program like that. Um, and then here in South Alabama, we use, um, for our women's basketball program, we use first speed heart rate technology. Um, and we use that to quantify, you know, internal training loads, um, you know, and look at training loads, not just in an acute window of time, but chronic, right? And we're trying to look at, you know, managing fatigue, you know, over the course of, you know, what is a really long season, um, you know, and in addition to that, you know, we're trying to build out a kind of what we call like a performance puzzle where, you know, we're looking at not just the, um, the stress that the athletes incurring on a, you know, a daily basis, but we're looking at recovery. So we have daily and weekly recovery questionnaires that we're comparing, um, you know, to the training loads that they're incurring, you know, within practice or within a game. Um, we, we also do daily, uh, like neuromuscular fatigue testing in season where we're looking at, you know, how primed is the nervous system? How well are they fatigued? You know, things of that sort. I also do a lot of, um, like RPE, so a lot of objective measures where we're looking at, you know, comparing the objective data that the heart rate monitors give us with more of subjective data that the athletes are self-reporting to me with regards to, you know, training intensities and training loads, you know, and I put all this stuff together and try to make the most sense of it, you know, and again, the, the million-dollar question with that is, is, okay, you have all this data, great. How do you apply it? you know, and use it in a productive and, and data-driven way, right? And so mm-hmm. that's something I'm working on building out and, and, and presenting to my coaches in, in a way that doesn't take up much time on their end or much of a learning curve, but they can understand, okay, when a certain player is, you know, chronically, um, you know, reporting high stress levels or high training loads and potentially at a risk for injury, right? And that's what mm-hmm. we're trying to get. We're trying to manage that injury risk and, and, and manage, you know, training loads over that period of time. So it, there's a lot there. It's a, it's a very convoluted puzzle, but that's kind of just a, you know, a bird's eye view of what we're trying to build out from a, a, from a sports science side um, here at South Alabama. Uh, I love it, man. I think that's awesome. I think, too, being able to present that, like you said, to the sports coaches to where, you know, it's, e- it's easy for them to understand. It's easy data to look at and say, okay, you know, this person's primarily in the yellow a lot. we got to maybe change some same some stuff up maybe in practice or stuff like that and be able to transition. Cause um, you know, working with, I'm assuming, you know, the women's basketball, that's a, that's a tough schedule, you, you know, with all the games that they're playing and stuff like that. And then just the stress at school and stuff like that. So I think that's absolutely massive. Sure. Yeah. You know, and it's one of these things too, where we're looking, you know, especially with my coaches, you know, we're trying to be as, as preemptive and as, as proactive as possible and not just, taking the data and, and looking back on it in a, in a past tense, but taking the data in real time and making decisions into the future. And of course, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the gold standard of most sports science initiatives. And again, you know, I'm doing it on a very modest level, admittedly, but you know, that's kind of the goal and that's, you know, where, why we're trying to build out, you know, a model here with our basketball program that reflects or mimics, you know, what a lot of people are doing at the professional and high major level. Yeah, I, I think I think that's awesome too because what you're talking about, you know, using it in the present and stuff like that. But being able for the longevity of say when 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 a kid comes in as a freshman, seeing all the different you know variables when they get a little bit older, when they're a senior and stuff like that, and being able to pass that down, um, you know, to the other athletes and stuff like that. I think that's pretty awesome too. 
you know, just even from a small, you know, what you said from the questionnaires and everything like that and seeing not only just the subjectivity, but the objectivity of everything. So um, that's awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I, I just look at it as, as a big puzzle, right? You know, recovery and stress is, is one, you know, huge puzzle. And I, I heard something somewhere along the way that, you know, there's so many different pieces that, you know, if a, if a statistician were to, to, to look at the, you know, at this situation, you know, they'd say it's, it's, an, it's an impossible thing to, to solve for one variable, so to speak, right? Because there's so many, you know, interrelated variables and you can easily get down a rabbit hole of confusion and data overload. So, again, it all has to be filtered through, you know, simplifying in a way that is manageable and is productive. I, th- I think you just hit the nail on the head right there and just saying, you know, simplifying it as much as you can. We can get kind of, you know, like you just said, get lost in the data and stuff like that. I know for myself, I, I've done that for myself and a little bit of stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's just look at what's easy real quick and let's, you know, look through that stuff. So um, just to kind of move through there a little bit, um, what's maybe something, you know, a time in your career, you, you know, you talked about you were at Longwood, you know, where you kind of got your start. Was there a time where you maybe had a, I don't know if this is the route where I'm going to be going or what's going to be, you know, I'm going to need to get a nine to five job or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a good question too, coach. You know, for me, I think that happened almost before it even started, you know, just even trying for me to get my foot in the door. And I alluded to a little bit at the beginning, but you know, I just, you know, kind of a long story short, um, you know, graduated college. I had some initial ideas and plans of, wanting to go to medical school I went through the you know that track in undergrad kind of got to that fork in the road moment you know towards my junior senior year in undergrad and decided that you know my heart really wasn't in it I was probably doing it for a lot of other reasons um so I decided not to pursue that anymore and so I graduated undergrad and and um you know was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do at that time I you know fell in love with the training process you know myself was doing a little bit of personal training, you know, on the side and never really considered collegiate strength and conditioning or strength and conditioning in general as like as a career, mm-hmm. uh, as I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. And um, I just remember after the summer of my undergraduate, um, after I graduated, I, I moved home and, you know, you know, felt really down and depressed about moving back in with the parents and not really having a sense of direction, right? Um you know, I was working at like a little coffee shop, just kind of making ends meet. And I remember I came across the website for the, the CSCCA, you know, the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association. Um, and I thought, okay, maybe this might be interesting. Let me try to pursue, you know, an internship. You know, so I, I gathered a list of about 30 or 40 different names of, you know, what they call approved mentors on that list and just shot all these emails out, just trying to get a, a volunteer internship. And this was like middle of the summer back in 2014 and lo and behold, I, you know, a couple weeks went by and I didn't hear anything back. You know, you would think law of averages, man, I got to get one. Right. Right. Um, but I didn't get any back and I was like, man, you know, you know, I, I believe that all of our, our steps are ordered and I, I was thinking maybe, man, Lord, you must have a different plan for me, <laughs> you know? And around that time, you know, I sit, sat down with my parents and we kind of came to the conclusion that by September 1st of that year, you know, I will have needed to, you know, move out and find something, you know, to, you know, to carry me along as far as a profession, right? So September 1st is kind of that, that impending deadline, so to speak. Um, so the rest of the summer went by, still didn't hear anything back. And 
lo and behold, on, on September 1st, I got a call. I was going into work that day, and I got a call and went to voicemail. And it was from, and I mentioned him earlier, John Hart from Longwood. And he basically called and said, you know, I'm interested in bringing you up here. Um, you know, let's do this. Again, for free, it was just a volunteer internship. And so that that's really what, what got my foot in the door. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, if you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans, right? Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, I, that adversity happened literally before I ever got into the profession. But I, I would say that. So that was, uh, you know, really trying time that really made me be like, geez, well, do I really want to do this? And I had no backup plan, so I was, you know, I was completely invested in it and at all costs, you know, so I moved up back up to Virginia and, uh, you know, I had to make ends meet, you know, like a lot of young hungry coaches do and, you know, went from there. So love it. So I think you said something really interesting there that's really good is, you know, and I heard this recently from somebody too, is, you know, sometimes God doesn't have a, he's not going to go through the front door. He's going to have a new plan for you coming through the back door that you didn't even see coming. So that's awesome to hear, yeah, man, that yeah. you're able to stick it out. Yeah, so the, the blessings and everything that came through, and it's been, I mean, it's been an awesome journey. It's, it's brought me in, in touch with a lot of great people. Um, it's, it's been such a blessing in my life. So I'm, it, I'm in a really good place now. I mean, still very early on in my, in my career, obviously. Um, but it's, it, it couldn't have, I couldn't have planned it better, you know, so to speak. Right. So from those times, from, you know, the early beginnings uh, to now, you know, Everything's always changing and strength conditioning. How have you changed as a coach, you know, maybe in the last year or two, um, you know, with your you know, changes in your job and different athletes and working with different sports? How have you kind of changed as a coach from you know, not just only communication-wise but programming-wise and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm trying to constantly put myself in this, you know, self-reflective state of mind where, you know, we're – trying to constantly provide ourselves with constructive feedback and, you know, consulting others with that as well. I think for me that the biggest thing in my development as a coach is, and, and kind of the progression of, of my young career kind of reflects this is I'm at a point now where I feel like I'm best served or serving as a coach when I'm almost all in with, with one particular team. So I'm, you know, an assistant strength coach. I'm also like the director of performance for women's basketball. And, and for me being fully integrated you know, within a particular sport team staff and, and traveling and, and being a part of everything that involves that program and that team makes my job as a performance coach or a strength and conditioning coach um, so much easier. You know, I think it, it's hard when you have, I mean, some, you know, unfortunately some coaches have 12, 13 teams or five, six, and I get it. You know, sometimes that's the reality of that situation. Um, but for me, putting, um, a lot of my eggs in, in, in the basket of one sport team, in this, in this case basketball, um, allows me to best um, use my skill set, if that makes sense. And I'm not saying one way is right and one way is wrong, um, but for me, that that's where I'm most interested in my career because I'm not just in the weight room. I like to tell a lot of people, you know, out of all of my time, I, I might be in the weight room less than 20% of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that just represents how broad and how many different hats that I wear, particularly with the women's basketball team. So I think in terms of like evolution, that's where I'm going in my career. Um, and that's where I see, you know, different frontiers being explored and things of that nature. That's awesome. I, th- I think the thing with that and in some places I've seen and people I've talked with is 
you're able to individualize and give a little bit more of your time and expertise on your athletes and coaches. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, thinking with basketball, um, yeah. like I'm, I kind of built out a model where, at least in the weight room, I'm not training them as a team hardly ever. It's all individual groups. In some cases, because of where certain athletes are at, it's literally like personal training. And I and I get it. That's a, that's a blessing, and a lot of people would but can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I can make certain sacrifices and I can um, create my schedule in a way where I can do that. Um, and I understand and appreciate the um, the blessing in that. But that's kind of where I'm at from a programming standpoint. I'm almost like individualizing everything. Um, not that it has to be, but when you when you have that ability, um, at least with the context of my group in particular, like I, I couldn't justify another way of doing it. And that's just the, the situation I'm in now. Um, not to again cast judgment on other situations, but um, for me, that's just again the best way I can get my job done. No, I, yeah, and I absolutely love that. I think that's really important. I think that's something that's, I think, needed more in some, in some sports, and I think we need more coaches to be kind of doing stuff like that and to understanding, you know, we need to individualize it a little bit more with these kids and, you know, given what they need in the long term and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not just from, like, a program design standpoint. That's just one aspect, but yeah. the ability to tailor, you know, your coaching style to certain athletes. And, I mean, as we all know, you know, athletes are – uh, you know they're not robots, right? And 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 you gotta you know pull on certain strings to motivate, inspire, and encourage you know certain athletes. And um, a situation like this, you know, lends itself to individualizing how you're relating to each player as well. And not to say you can't do that in, in a team wide setting because you certainly can, and that's the the beauty and the challenge of coaching in general. Um, but in a situation where you can divide and conquer, so to speak, at least in the weight room. Uh, it lends itself to an ability to really dive into that person or that small group of people with who they are as people before athletes. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the relationship can only just grow even more from that. I feel like, you know, just being individualized and having those small groups and stuff like that, you can really, really grow those relationships. And, you know, cause we spend so much time with our athletes as a strength staff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, again, it's, it's not the way, it's just one way. Yeah, it's just one way. Um, and yeah. my, my contact and my situation, you know, it's 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 the best way that I see fit, you know. So yeah. uh, always have, you know, have to preface it with that. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, there's no one, there's uh, multiple ways to do this. What's um what's some of your resources that you're using, you know, if it's podcasts, YouTube, books, you know, what kind of some resources for you? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll tell you what, I think for me, at least especially in this past year where this is my first role, you know, with the women's basketball program where, you know, I'm fully integrated with the staff and traveling on the road during season and and having the opportunity to, you know, meet other coaches face-to-face when we're on the road and and talking with other basketball strength coaches and seeing what they're doing with their team and, um, you know, just the the purity of that, you know, kind of one-on-one conversation is been really valuable for me so i think personal interaction you know trumps a lot of other things if, you know if you can get to that situation um you know whether it's you know face to face or on a phone call or something like that so i value that you know above all in addition to reaching out to you know my mentors and different people who've influenced me in a lot of ways um but yeah i mean as far as the you know other resources uh, you know i do a lot of reading anything i can get my hands on um right now i'm actually reading a really interesting book um some some of the 
some of you guys may have uh, heard of it. It's called The Passion Paradox by Steve Magnus, who's one of these guys I follow a lot. He also has a podcast called The Science of Running, which I listen to almost religiously now. Um, so between books and podcasts, I listen to a lot of uh, uh, what's it, Jay DeMeo's podcast from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Ringler's podcast, uh, Decoding Excellence, is really good too. Um, so a lot of different, you know, a lot of different resources out there, especially you know the age of social media. I'm a big TED Talks guy too, so a lot of you know really good TED Talks come out on YouTube. Um, and those could be good, quick sources of motivation for athletes and, and different ways to um, pull resources from outside of strength and conditioning and, and bring them into the profession. Right? And I like reading a lot of stuff and talking to a lot of people outside of this profession. So I think that's sometimes where we get our most creative ideas is when we kind of get out of the you know the myopic lane of our own thinking and, and you know see how other professions do things and how other um, people who succeed in other disciplines go about their craft um so that's why that you know it's a melting pot of different resources and ideas um i follow a lot of basketball strength coaches on twitter some of them are great yeah, a lot of them are great they're all great um you know but that's a good resource too i think twitter is kind of what what you make it um but there's a lot of really good content on that and um there's a lot of good knowledge circulation you know on that platform as well yeah i think i think social media is a huge key if you allow it to be a huge key, like you said, um, knowing who to follow and what to follow and kind of divert some of a little bit, you know, a little bit of that information. Um, something you said in there that I thought that was really interesting. And I think a lot of us, I know for myself, it's helped me is meeting those coaches, whether it be face to face or a phone call. I know I've exponentially gotten better as a coach because I can sit down with a coach or, you know, spend an hour or two talking with a coach on what he's doing or she's doing and learn from them because, you know, they're in the trenches just like we are. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, obviously this podcast is, is living proof of that, which yeah. is why, um, you know, this is great. You know, I'm a big fan of what you're doing and encourage, you know, more people to do that. I think, I think this is an awesome way to disseminate information and, and connect a profession that, you know, has the tendency sometimes to kind of double down in your own little silo and, and, and not really look outside you know, what else is going on, you know, despite this age of, of social media. So I think it's great. I, I appreciate that, man. I really do. Um, just trying to get out here and learn as much as I can from, you know, from people like yourself and stuff like that. I think it's, I think it's crucial to have these conversations to see what, what are you doing and why are you doing it and how can I implement it with my athletes? You know, I think there's always something to learn from somebody. Absolutely. It's always a two way street, right? Yeah. It's never just a, a one way street. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so just to kind of end up the, the episode here real quick, again, I appreciate your time today. I'm going to have a couple questions for yeah. you. All right. Sure, yeah. So you got to have one teammate, two-on-two game. It's got to be either Kobe, LeBron, or MJ. Who are you going with? Oh, man. The device that polarized the question. I'd go with MJ. Yeah. All right. I have to go with MJ myself. All right. Who's your uh, yeah. fa- favorite superhero? Uh, oh man, I, I'd say I'd go with I'd go with Batman, and I would just say that because the the whole notion of you know being a hero of sorts and working kind of behind the scenes, you know, I, I love kind of being you know working at least in my role behind the scenes and not really getting a lot of credit for what you do, but having other people take credit for you. But working in the trenches, kind of in the dark, so to speak, um, I'm attracted to that. Love it, man. I mean, I was. Uh... 
emulate the strength uh, strength conditioning is the back cave. You know, the weight room is the back cave. So Absolutely. love I like it. That. I'm gonna start using that. Love it. Um, and then you got one superpower. What's it gonna be? Man, I would say be in multiple places at once. Um, and uh, I'm addicted to, you know, like efficiency and being productive. And it's funny because I joke with my athletes all the time. I say, you know, especially joking with some of the ones who, you know, might require a little bit more attention. I'd say, man, if I could, you know, have a double or clone myself or whatever, obviously in, in a joking matter, I'd, I'd devote my other self just to you, you know. And they, <laughs> they, get a, they get a kick out of that. But no, I'd say being in multiple places for one, at once for the sake of, you know, hyper efficiency. Awesome. Well, j just to get you out of here real quick, I uh, got about another minute or so. Is there, you know, any way people want to get in contact with you? You know, Twitter, email, something like that. How can they get in contact with you? Yeah, um, my email, and I'm, I guess you could probably provide it too. Is yeah. Ncoolman at southalabama.edu. Um, on Twitter, I, I think my handle is. Uh, at USA Coach Nick. Um, that seems to be the only like really social media platform that I use. Mm -hmm. I try to limit myself to just that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've messaged back and forth and connected with quite a few people, and it's, it's been a great resource for me. So I would say, you know, email, and then uh, if you want to grab my phone number from that, you can, but email and Twitter. All right, Coach. Well, again, I appreciate your time today. Um, it's been awesome having you on here, and, and, you know, good luck with everything for the rest of the season and stuff like that. And, um, I'll have you back on here pretty soon. Awesome. Thanks, Coach Smith. Thanks again for having me, and I'll, uh, I'll be sure to continue listening on to the podcast. Good luck, and, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.